Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. Uh, I want you to go to Isaiah. We're going to have some fun today, and uh, we're going to conclude our series, Listen. This is Listen, part three. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 50, uh, verse four. It's been our text for the series, and it says this. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. God teaches me what to say. He awakens me morning by morning, and he awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Another version says he awakens my ear to listen as one being taught. I'm going to tell you this. The, the, the voice of God is always speaking. Some people say, well, God is silent. No, God's always speaking. We say this, when you can't hear God, you can read God. It's his word is alive, and he's always speaking. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, it says that he wants to awaken our ear to listen, not just to hear. Hear kind of gives us the idea of accidental hearing. That, that I, if you, there's a loud noise in this room right now, you would hear it. But when you listen, it really denotes intentionality. It means that I am, I am intentionally, I'm intentionally trying to listen to something. This is what God wants to do. He wants to awaken your ear so that you will intentionally listen to him. You may hear God occasionally, you may have heard God occasionally in your life, but God wants it to be a consistent conversation between you and him that happens all of the time, not just from a stage, not just on a Sunday, not just from a pastor, but that you can hear God for you. Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 32 is going to be our text today. Mark chapter 7, verse 32 says, There some people brought to him a man who was deaf, and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. I want you to pay attention to what the Bible says. Some of you are very spiritual reading this, and you're like, that sounds about right. That does not sound right. I'm just going to tell you, nobody's putting their fingers in my ear. Like, I used to have a cousin that always used to do wet willies and, like, you know, lick their finger. It's like, that's how you get your finger broken. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I can't do much, but I can break a finger. I mean, it's like, that goes in my ear. We got a problem. It's, Jesus sticks his fingers in the man's ears, but it gets worse. It says, then he spit, and he touched the man's tongue. All right, he looked up to heaven. And with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. It's an incredible miracle in the book of Mark. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw some, some, some parallels between a practical and physical deafness with what I believe to be plaguing us as a spiritual deafness. I believe there's many people in this room. I believe there's many people in our culture. There's many people attending churches today that have been struck with a disease or a disability of spiritual deafness. They have, they have an inability to hear the voice of God. But I want to declare to you, it is God's will that every person would hear the voice of God. Not some, not just the righteous, not just the good, not just those in ministry, but that every Every person would hear the voice of God. This man, it says that he was deaf. He could not hear, but that he could barely speak, which means he could speak some. 
So most theologians believe that he was not deaf all his life, but he became deaf, deaf after an accident. So something traumatic had happened in his life that caused deafness because we know this because he could, he could speak a little bit. The only way that you can speak is if you can hear. You cannot learn to speak if you cannot hear. If you, if you hear correctly, then you can speak correctly. Speech problems are oftentimes tied to hearing problems. If you can hear it correctly, you can say it correctly. So for this man, he could speak, but he had a problem. He could speak of some sorts, but he could not speak well. So that tells us that he had heard sometime in his past. But something had happened to cause him to lose his hearing. I just want you to know this is how usually happens in Christianity, in our own Christian life. Is we're going along, we're living our life, we're going to church, we're doing our thing, but something happens. Something disappoints us, we hit trials, we hit troubles, we have dysfunction. Something happens where we feel angry at God, we feel distant from God, and in that time, there is a disconnect between us and God. And oftentimes, we go deaf, which means that we, doesn't mean we don't love God. It doesn't mean that we don't come to church. It just means that we don't hear him like we used to. And what I want us to do today is I want to take us back to the last time that you lost your hearing, and I want you to get it back. I want you to go to the last experience, last disappointment, last break, last trial, last thing that robbed you of your ability to hear the voice of God. And I believe miraculously today, God is going to open our ears and waken our ears so that we can listen to his voice. How many believe that? How many believe that today something can happen supernaturally that our spiritual ears would begin to be open to hear his voice? I feel like God wants to do something today, and I believe some of it is supernatural and miraculous in areas that we could not hear God. Now our ears are opened to begin to hear him. God loves us so much that he wants to establish dialogue with us. That, that's communication. That is not just us talking to him. That's him talking to us. We were having a great Thanksgiving, and we were playing some games. I don't know if you ever played the game Code Code Names. It's a game that, like, officially makes you feel stupid. I think that's the goal of the, ne- the game. I think someone, like, created it so that you would feel stupid. I don't like this type of games. I like games to win. I like games that I feel smart. I like games that I can dominate. I just don't like games that make me feel stupid. So we, we played it anyways because I was trying to be a good sport. And so we're playing this game, and Jackson's over at the house, and we are down to, like, the last card. And we've got to choose it. We don't have a clue for it. We've got to choose it or lose. And so we're down, and I'm like, bro, I don't know. Like, you pick one. He's like, I don't know. You pick one. He goes, you know you've been talking about hearing the voice of God. I'm like, Jackson, come on, man. Get out of the house. And uh, so, so I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I have been talking about that. So I said, all right, platypus. That was one of the cards. I didn't just say platypus. It's one of the cards. And he's like, you sure? I'm like, yep, that's it. Flipped it over. It was platypus. We won. So I like code names a little bit more now. And he's looking at me like, whoa. I'm like, yeah, that's right, man. Don't be challenging me to hear the voice of God, bro. I just busted out platypus just like that. Bang! Shabam! I mean, it's just like, that's how it happens. And um, I don't really know if that was the voice of God or not. Um, I want you to know this, though. God does care about the little things. He, he, he cares about the small things. Honestly, he cares about the things that you care about. He, he's concerned. Sometimes we think, well, what's on my mind is too small for God. No, if it's on your mind, 
It's on God's mind because God cares about you. God's concerned for you. I'm going to tell you this is not an accident you're here today because God knows what you've been walking through. God knows what you've been dealing with. God knows the doubts. God knows the questions. He knows the struggles, the inward struggles, the struggles no one knows about. And he cares about it. He cares about the little things. He cares about the things that you care about. He, he cares about them. To, to understand really how to hear the voice of God, sometimes you have to know the things that would be the enemies of the voice of God. We've been talking about all the practical how-tos of how to listen, how to hear the voice of God. But today I want to talk to you about a couple things that pull away the voice of God. I want to talk to you about things that cause spiritual deafness. If you've ever wondered why I can't hear the voice of God, these are probably some of the things, things that cause spiritual deafness. And the first thing is doubt. You ever ever doubted if God can speak? Many of us have. Probably everyone in this room has doubted at some point if God can speak or if he is speaking. But I want you to know that doubt is what causes spiritual deafness. God will not speak to someone who does not believe that he will speak. If you're not expecting God to speak, you're not going to hear God speak. If you don't believe that God can speak, you're not going to hear God speak. You have to believe that he speaks. Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, it talks about that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he said, you have to believe. You have to be confident and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is looking for faith. So before you begin to hear the voice of God, you have to begin to have faith to hear the voice of God. That faith is the belief that God speaks and he wants to speak to me. Oftentimes we doubt if God wants to speak just because we can't hear him. Just because you haven't heard him in a while doesn't mean that God's not speaking. Just because you haven't heard him in a while doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Just because you haven't heard him in a while doesn't mean that you're in gross sin and God's turned his back on you. God will speak to you because he loves you. It is not about God's willingness to speak. It is about our receptivity to listen. Doubt will get in the way. Henry Blackaby says this, unbelief can render a person stone deaf to God's voice. Unbelief. What causes spiritual deafness? Unbelief. The, the, the unbelief that, I don't know if God will speak or not. It was years ago, I was talking with one of our students, and, and they said, uh, Pastor Dustin, we have to tell you this. This is incredible. Uh, our mom came and talked to us last week, and, 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 and she was all worked up because she'd come from church, and she was in her 50s, and, and she told me, she'd been serving God for over 20 years, and she told her son, her son told me, she, he said, she never knew that she could hear the voice of God. 20 plus years as a believer, and she never knew that she, 20 plus years of a one-way conversation, still serving God, still doing what's right, but a one-way conversation, and she says, when I was in church today, I realized that I could hear the voice of God, and for the very first time, I believed that God wanted to speak, and I I want you to hear this. I believed God wanted to speak, and I begin to hear his voice. Your faith is the initiator that opens the door for your ears to hear what God is doing. The second thing, the enemy, or what causes deafness, is distraction. Distraction. This, this, is, this is my primary offense, is distraction. Just in the busyness of life, not a bad heart, not a bad motive, just 
busy, loud, everything is crazy, chaotic, schedules, calendar. You ever been in this world? It's run to this house, run to that house, Thanksgiving here, Thanksgiving there, Christmas is coming, back to work, kids, soccer, right? All of it. And in that, we're expected to hear God. And to throw it on top of that, something goes wrong. Someone has a problem. A family member needs help. This happens. That happens. You get laid off. Something happens in your marriage. All of these things compound to a place where there is so much noise that we cannot hear the voice of God. I want you to know that God is still speaking even if your circumstances are noisy. God is still speaking. Even if the crisis of your life is loud, there is a voice that's in the midst of it. Distractions cause spiritual deafness. For me, it's just busyness. I'm busy. I'm running here. I'm doing this. And You ever had that happen? We talked about this last week. You finally get a moment. You say, I'm just going to spend time with God. And what happens? This thing explodes. Right? Everybody needs you at that moment. You can go hours and nothing. But at that moment, you decide to pray. Distractions come. You will eventually be shaped by the loudest voice or the voice you listen to most. Do you know why many of us walk in fear? Is because that's the voices we're listening to. Do you know why many of us walk in worry and anxiety? It's because those are the voices that we listen to. You know why many of us struggle with our, with our mind or our thinking? It's because these are the voices that we're in tune to. So in order to hear the voice of God, we have to somehow silence or put aside or put away the distractions so that we can hear, so that we can tune in to the voice of God. The third one is discouragement. Discouragement. I've never seen something called spiritual deafness more effectively than discouragement. People try to do something, they try to do right, they try to take strides towards God, and something happens. Years ago, we were leading the youth ministries before we transitioned in to take the church, and God was moving powerfully. We were seeing hundreds of young people get saved. I mean, just an incredible move of God. We had a great crew of leaders. Our leadership team was amazing, and uh, on the leadership team was a couple, and uh, a married couple. They were incredible, and uh, they, they just helped us so much in the ministry and what God was doing, and until uh, one night she got sick. And they sent us a message saying, hey, she got sick, and uh, they're really worried about her. She's not really responding. And uh, before we knew it, she had passed away. She was 30 years old, and suddenly she passes away. Now, we are in the middle of God doing an extraordinary thing. Isn't this how the enemy works? In the middle of God doing something so magnificent, this happens. And I remember a couple months later sitting in my office, and I, I begin to, and you, and you relate with this, I begin to ask the questions, right, like the dreaded questions, like, God, like, why? Why would this happen? Why, why didn't you heal her? Why didn't you give us a heads up? Why didn't you raise her from the dead? Why, 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 why the questions, the plagues of questions? And I found myself being discouraged. I thought, God, you're not even answering my questions, I have all these questions you're not even answering. You're silent right now. My discouragement had caused a spiritual deafness. I couldn't hear the voice of God. God, where are you? Like, what's, what's even happening? I'm supposed to be this man of faith. I'm supposed to be leading this youth revival. But, like, why? Why does this happen to someone we care about? Why does this? You ever ask these questions? 
This, these are, this is the plague of the enemy that begins to take over your mind. And in that place of discouragement, the negative voices in my life were so amplified. And I had to make a, I had to make a cognitive decision that I would, in the midst of chaos, try to find and hear the voice of God. Negative voices are amplified in moments of discouragement. I'm going to tell you this, this is one of the enemy's chief tactics to rob you of hearing the voice of God, is just to get you discouraged. Because when you're discouraged, it is the negative voices that are amplified. Right now I'm using an amplifier, a microphone. In a, pl- in a time of discouragement, the negative voices of the enemy is amplified. It's all you can hear. The spiral of thoughts, the negativity. I know no one in this room, but for other people in other services, it's just the questions begin, begin to come. And in that place, you have to choose. It is a choice who you will listen to. You have to silence other voices, silence other, uh, other arenas of news and conversation so that you can hear the voice of God. The, the fourth one that causes spiritual, fourth sign, fourth thing that causes spiritual deafness is distance. Did you know that you will only hear someone with, when, as long as you're in earshot of them? The further you get from them, the, the, the less you'll hear the voice. If you left this room, you would, you would start to hear my voice fade. You would hear it less and less the further that you got. And for many of us, we don't understand that the same principle that happens naturally is the same principle that happens spiritually. That if I'm not close to him, I probably won't hear from him. If I want to hear the voice of God, then I have to get close to God. If I, if I can't hear him, maybe it's because I'm far from him. God, why aren't you speaking? I wonder if God's like saying, like, why don't you come closer? Because it's not a God speaking problem, it's a us listening problem. God is speaking. God, I'm so mad at you. Why won't you speak to me? And I would imagine God, he's a lot nicer than we are, but he's saying if you would come closer, you could hear him. This happens sometimes in my house, like I'm trying to talk to the boys, you know, and they're running away from me as I'm talking to them. What, Dad? What, Dad? What, Dad? It's like, hey, just stop. Stop. You'll hear me. Because, but they're running, this is how we do it with God. We run about our business. We run about the things that we're doing. Running, what God? What God? You're not speaking to me? You didn't say anything? Where are you? And God's saying, if you would come close to me. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I want to just ask the question, who makes the first move? We do. God's not speaking. God's not moving. I'm so mad at God. He should. I deserve. I he says, draw near to me. He's drawn near to me. Jesus already made the first move when he died on the cross and gave us access to come into his presence at any time. When he died and he shed his blood and covered our sins so that God could have relationship with us. The reason God wanted relationship was not just so that he could say we have relationship. The reason he wanted relationship is he wanted a creation that he could speak to that they could speak to him, they could have dialogue, they could have real relationship. Jesus made the first move. Now, if we want to be close to him, the move is ours. That I've got to draw near to him, and if I draw near to him, he will be faithful to respond to my... This week, this might be what some of us need to do, is we need to make a decision, we're going to draw near. 
God, this is our move this week. We are drawing near. This is my move today. I am drawing. How do you draw near? It's an attitude. It's not even emotion. It's an attitude. It's saying, God, right now, you can draw near right where you are. You can draw near on the car on the way home. You can draw near on your commute, on your way to work. It is an attitude. It is my mind being set on God. Hebrews chapter 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Friends, that is drawing near. You will gravitate and you will move towards what you focus on. So if you can focus your eyes on him, you will gravitate towards him. And if you move towards him, he will move towards you. He will move towards you. John chapter 2, chapter 10, verse 2. It says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and listen to this, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The Bible says that he is the shepherd, and we are the sheep, and the sheep know, they listen to the voice of the shepherd. Did you know that you have been created to hear the voice of God? That when you were created, it was, intric- it was intricately put in you to hear the voice of God. You are, you are a spiritual being. You so say, I'm just a human, you know, God's out there. And I'm, no, you are a spiritual. The way that God created you was so that you could connect spiritually with him. It is so that you could interact and have relationship with him. A.W. Tozer says that our relationship with God is like a relationship with a friend, and it can be cultivated as such. Like just as you can cultivate a relationship with a friend, so you can cultivate a relationship with God by drawing near. And the sheep will know and listen to the voice of the shepherd. It's interesting, a couple verses later in John chapter 10, there is a scripture that many of us know. And it says, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. In the same passage, it is saying that the sheep will know the voice of the shepherd. It also says that the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know that the enemy wants to steal your ability to hear from God? He wants to kill your ability to hear the voice of God. He wants to destroy your relationship with God by destroying your ability to communicate with Him. Did you know that you will not be close to someone when you do not have the ability to communicate to them? If there is no communication, oftentimes there will be no relationship And so the enemy will come to kill, to steal, and to destroy your method of communication. Because if he can rob you of hearing from God, then he can rob you of your relationship with God. But the rest of the scripture says, but I have come. He says, but I have come to give you life and that life to the full. John chapter 10, 10, I have come that you might have life. Another version says, and that you might have an abundant life. This is God's plan for us, and part of that abundant life is not just God giving us things, it is connection to him. It is the relationship that happens as a result of us being able to hear his voice. I was reading a book this week, and it said that uh, there, there's, there's seven different whispering places in, in, in the world. These are 
buildings that were built with the architecture that you could whisper on one side of the room and you could hear it on the other side. Jamie and I visited a couple of these rooms and uh, there's one in London, there's one in New York, there's one in the state capital where you can, you can hear, they call whispering places. Literally, you can whisper on one side of the room and someone on the other side of the room can hear you whispering. There can be chaos. There can be people. The room can be crowded. It can be busy. It, it, it can be any time of day. But when you whisper, there's a place in the room that if you whisper, it can be heard on the other side. It was said that John Quincy Adams would, uh, would, would in, in the Capitol, that he would actually sit at his desk and pretend, it's a rumor, that he would sit and pretend like he was asleep in that room because you could hear conversations happening all over and that he would take notes and jot down information that he was hearing, acting like he was asleep because literally in the massive room, you could hear conversations taking place all over. I'm going to tell you this, is God has for each of us a whispering place. A place in the midst of chaos, a place in the midst of crowds, a place, see, see, for many of us, we want to avoid stress, right? I can't handle any more stress. I've got to disengage. I've got to protect myself. I have to, no, you will never find it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your house, but like just when you get everything clean, there is not clean, right? I mean, many of you slaved to get your house ready for Thanksgiving. It's like, there, it's ready. And then everybody showed up. It's not ready anymore. I got all the laundry done. The other day, Jamie was like, every piece of laundry in this house is done. And then Jude took off his shirt and threw it in the laundry basket. It's like, not anymore. You know, it's like, it's, it's never done. But this is how we chase after peace. Like, like if we can just disengage from all the trouble, we'll be okay. You will never find that place of peace outside of you. That place of peace is found inside of you. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. And for each of us, I believe what God's doing, even in this series, is he's teaching us how to create a whispering place. You know, you're in a big room, and you could be in this room, and if no one was here, and it was all quiet and all peaceful, you could whisper, and someone could hear you on the other side. But with this many people in this room, if someone whispered, you would not be able to hear. But in the whispering place, you can whisper in the midst of chaos and someone on the other side could hear. I'm going to tell you this. Your place of prayer should be a whispering place. A place that even in the busyness of holidays and schedule that you can get away, that you can carve out time and you can be with God. And even in the midst of crazy things happening, you can still hear his voice. You can hear, hear the whisper. In the first week of this series, we talked about that God wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the wind, but then he was in and he spoke through a still, small voice. Listen, if you don't have a whispering place, you'll never hear his still, small voice. Many, many of us, the only time we've ever heard God is when he showed up in the fire, showed up in the earthquake, or showed up in the wind. But God wants relationship that he can show up every day through his still small voice. But to do that, we have to be faithful to create a whispering place, a place that we can be with God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the most practical, easy way to spend time with Jesus, to create a whispering place. I, I mean, it's like so practical and it's old school. This is, like, this is like archaic. They used to teach this back in the day, back when acronyms were cool. And if you're using an acronym right now, it's not cool anymore. 
that like went out in 1992. Okay, so acronyms used to be, so if you're doing that for your business, just make a pivot, make a pivot, all right? Acronyms are out. Um, but I, I'll give you an acronym. Uh, y- you didn't even know Jesus if you had a youth ministry and his name wasn't an acronym. It's like, that was just like, I mean, you're not an acronym? You, you can't even be real. Like, but now, okay, this is out. Uh, but I'll give you an acronym, how to spend time with Jesus. A, adoration. Adoration. We're going to spell the word acts. Adoration. What is adoration? Worship. It's like so simple. This will change your life. If you take 20 minutes of your day and you just start out with a couple minutes of adoration. I'm not asking God for anything. I'm not begging God for anything. I'm just telling God how much I love him. I'm worshiping. You could play, you could play one of 1132's new songs. You could just play it through the whole, the whole thing. And you could just pray during that song. And you could just worship God. Adoration. The next one is confession. Confession is just making sure we're right with God. God, is there anything in my heart that's not right? Any thought, any motive, any pattern that's not right? Will you just search my heart? Do you know this is a good practice to do daily? It's just God, like, search my heart. Is there anything here? David said, David prayed in Psalm 51, God, search me and know me. He said, know my anxious thoughts. He, he, he just laid himself bare before God. Confession. Bible says if we confess our sins to, to God, we're forgiven. As he forgives us of our sins. When we confess our sins to one another, he heals us. This is, there's power in, in, in confession. A-C, confession. T is thanksgiving. I'll tell you, this right here could change your life. Just taking about three minutes to tell God what you're grateful for. I mean, it'll, it'll change your life just to have to identify something that you're grateful for. Well, I wish this would have happened, and I wish she would have, and I wish he would have, but I'm so grateful. It'll change your life. And it leads you to the last one, which is S, which is supplication, which is my request. Now, why wouldn't we request first? I'll tell you why. Because your requests actually change after you go through this progression. After I adore God, and after I confess my sins and get right with God, after I give thanks to Him and I'm grateful, now what I ask for is different. It's different. And now this is the time where I spend time. Look at how, how small my request time is compared to everything else. I just, it's just one part. It's not, my whole prayer life is request. No, it's just one part. Are you cultivating relationship? What if your only relationship with your spouse was you asking for something? You wouldn't cultivate a good relationship. It's got to be cultivated. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Andrew Murray says this, prayer is not monologue. It's dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. I love this. One of my favorite quotes on prayer says, There's not in this world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. Oh, man. There's nothing like establishing a whispering place. We say this all the time to our staff and our interns that you got to have a time and a place where you meet with God. Where's your time? Where's your place? Where do you meet with God? Well, I just don't have a quiet place. You might not be able to find a quiet place. But can you find a whispering place? 
a place that in the midst of chaos, that you can be quiet and quiet your heart and you can listen to the voice of God. I'm telling you, God loves you so much. He doesn't want any more monologues. He wants dialogue. He wants dialogue. Susanna Wesley, mom of John Wesley, there's an old story that used to say she had, she had I can't remember exactly how many kids she had. I think, she, I, I think it was 13 kids that she had. And uh, she, so obviously there's no quiet in that house. Stories say that she would, when she would have a time of prayer, that she would take her apron and she would flip it up over her head. She would sit in the middle of the crowded room with an apron over her head. And her kids knew if the apron was over her head, don't mess with mom. That was her time and place. It was her whispering place. Don't, t- don't tell me you don't have time or you don't have a... You can find a whispering place in the midst of chaos. It might be in your cubicle right now. It might be in your garage. It might actually be in your closet. It might be in the middle of chaos with kids around. But you have to be able to still the voices. You have to be able to silence yourself before God and meet with Him. I know this is practical, but this will change everything about your relationship with God. These are elementary, fundamental truths of how you can walk with God on another level. Every great decision, every major decision I've ever made, everything that God's done in my life, anything that's been substantial has always come out of a place of prayer. Messages come out of a place of prayer. Inspiration comes out of a place of prayer. Passion comes out of a place of prayer. People say, you have so much energy when you preach. That energy comes from a place of prayer. That urgency comes from a place of prayer. That energy, that, 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 that passion comes from a place of desire for you that you would hear the voice of God, that you would be listeners of his voice. Do you know God wants to speak to you? I don't know who this is for, but I was praying this morning. I added this into my notes, and I believe this for you. One word from God can change everything. One word from God. One word from God can change everything. Do you know that? Just just one word. That's what happened to our friend in Mark chapter 7. He came up on Jesus. He was deaf. He could barely speak. And this is what the Bible says Jesus did. Jesus was there. And it says, after he stuck his finger in his ears and touched his tongue, very inappropriate, it says he took a deep breath. Theologians believe that Jesus was so moved with compassion for the man that it hurt him. He took a deep breath. And he said, be opened. And he was healed in that instance. I want you to know this. God sees you right now. And he's not there with his arms folded saying, you again? He's taking a deep breath. I'm sorry you went through what you went through. I'm sorry you're dealing with what you're dealing with. I'm sorry you become spiritually deaf and you haven't heard my voice in a long time. Be opened. And I believe that's what God's saying to each and every one of us today. He is awaking our ears to listen. Let our ears be opened. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.